God bless his word this morning. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this sermon today. Um, the next two Sundays are very, very important for the congregation. So I'm going to work back from June the 4th to next Sunday. June the 4th is the vote to leave the district. We will have church service at 1030. After church service, we're going to go downstairs and have a luncheon. We're going to have the luncheon, hopefully, from 12 till 1. We expect the district representatives to come at 1 o'clock to hold the vote. Okay? So after service, we'll go downstairs. We'll have lunch. We expect the representatives to be here by 1 o'clock to oversee the vote to leave the district. We plan on having the vote downstairs. We don't plan on coming back up. I just want to make sure I make that clear. And if ever you're going to stay for a Sunday morning service or after luncheon, June the 4th is the day to do it. Be in serious prayer about that, um, that God would lead us and guide us. I know we've had a pre-vote on it, but that is a very important service. We're going to allow the district to speak for three minutes to say what they want to say, and then we'll take the vote. Uh, this This has been our direction from other churches. I hope that's not on Facebook. Can you delete that? Too late. I'm live. Three minutes. You know, but I want us to be graceful, kind, and loving. Okay? Just very, very important part. So if if you're going to be here, that is the day not to miss a Sunday, the day to take the vote. Very important for us as a congregation. Next Sunday is Pentecost Sunday. That will be the day that we celebrate the Holy Spirit falling on the day of Pentecost and the lives of disciples in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And I'm going to speak about Pentecost Sunday and the importance of that event. But it's also Communion Sunday, which is very important. Communion will be our most important service that we do as a congregation. And keeping with the brethren tradition on the understanding of Communion. Part of taking communion is the rite of confession. One makes a confession of faith they've accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. And I'm asking that the parents work with me for the young kids, work with them on making sure that Christ is their Lord when they come to the table. Um, that they have said, Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior when partaking communion with the children. I'm asking the parents to work with me on that and let's work together because we are receiving communion as a body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we don't want to exclude anybody from that, but it is part of our tradition that a confession of faith is made. So I'm asking the parents to work with me on the young children that they have made confession of faith. That way we can all work together. I hope you're not offended by that. It's not my intent to offend or hurt anybody or make anybody feel uncomfortable, but this is where we stand as a congregation in the tradition of the Brethren Movement. Okay? Anybody has any questions, you're welcome to come to me after church. Let me have it. Don't let me have it. However you feel uh, led to do that, I'm cool with it. I've been in trouble before, and I don't mind being in trouble again. And so, But this is... Our most holy moment of any service we do is Communion Sunday. That's we, where we meet the Lord and he meets with us in times of grace. All right, so June 4th, Pentecost Sunday, Communion Sunday as well, and now to today. I've, I've been nervous but also excited about today's sermon, and who knows, I might forget what I'm going to say. I just don't know because my mind is going all over the place today. But... When the empire captured Princess Leia in the great Star Wars movie, they brought her to the little ship for interrogation. They put her at the front of the ship where she could see her beloved nation called Alderaan. And they said, tell us where the resistance is or we're going to pop this Death Star on that planet. She didn't necessarily tell them the truth where the the resistance was but she said something and then the commander says shoot the planet anyway the death star shoots out and the planet is destroyed how hurtful it must have been for a leader to have to watch innocent people be destroyed for no reason at all more importantly 
how hard it had to be on her as a leader after she escaped to go back to where the resistance was hiding. Says we can no longer stay here because the evil nation is coming after us and they're going to do away with us. It ain't as good as what we're telling you it's going to be. It's going to be rough and it's going to be hard. No leader wants to tell the people it's going to be rough and hard. No leader wants to see people be destroyed for no reason. Yet Princess Leia had to watch it and had to defend her nation as they go from place to place in order not to be captured. In the book of Ezekiel, this is exactly what has happened to the prophet Ezekiel in Ezekiel 36. Ezekiel is watching the children of Israel go into captivity into a heathen nation. And when they go into captivity, the captors wouldn't put them in one place, but he spread them throughout the empire so that they could not come together and make rebellion. So people are all over the place in different aspects of the country that this king controlled. He saw that, and he witnessed that, and he had to tell the people the bad news. You are going to go into captivity, and it ain't going to be fun. God does not like the way you're acting, and he has sent me to tell you the bad news. If it wasn't bad enough that Ezekiel had to tell the bad news to the people, God told Ezekiel something bad in Ezekiel chapter 24. He said to Ezekiel, the thing that you love the most is going to be taken from you. Ezekiel's wife had died. It's one thing for a leader to tell somebody it's going to be bad. But it's another thing for the leader to lose the very thing that the leader loves and wants to be with. And God tell the leader you're going to lose your wife. And then go tell the people the experience that you're having. But then he tells Ezekiel, when you lose your wife, don't mourn for the dead. I do not want you to mourn for what has happened in the past. Because in Ezekiel 33, God says, I'm going to come to my people and I'm going to deliver my people and I'm going to hear their prayer. Ezekiel, I want you to know that I'm doing the work in your life to show my people I'm a covenant God. That I do love them and I'm going to take care of them. And I know you're hurting and I know you're in pain. But I don't want you to mourn because the king is coming. So in Ezekiel chapter 33, he starts preaching hope to people who are dispersed all over the world. When we come to Ezekiel 36, and Darla, if I happen to keep putting the same titles in my sermons, please let me know. Because truthfully, I don't know what titles I'm using and don't. I'm having to go back through the ancient sermons and see. But here's my title today. God comes in Ezekiel 36 and he says, here comes the boom. He says to the heathen nation, you have laughed and mocked and made fun of my people. You have said you have taken them captive and all the things they respected and all the high places have been destroyed because you done it. And now my people are a laughing stock in your kingdom. And he says, that's not happening here. He says then to the children of Israel in 36, tell the mountains, tell my people, tell the children that I am coming. I have seen their hurt. I have seen their pain. And I sent these nations against you to capture you. Yes, I've done this. And I've done it because you broke covenant with me. You said it was okay to worship idols. You said it was okay to sin. You said it was okay to be like every other nation. So I told you when you'd done that, I was going to bring somebody else to take you over, and it happened. But don't fret, people. He says to the heathen nation, You have not mocked my people. You have mocked me and who I am as God and King. Don't you know I set you to do this? Don't you know I am the one who's done this? I am the one in control. How dare you say to my people, we have you under control and your God does not care about you at all. Who do you think you are, God asked? And he comes to the people and says, today, today, this day, I'm going to give you hope. 
And he says, Israel, this is what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to call you back from all those lands that you've been held captive. I'm going to bring you home to the land that I promised you. And when I bring you home, I'm going to clean you up. When he brought them home, he brought them to the place of worship. They were to rebuild the temple. Part of rebuilding the temple was to have a little bowl, but they washed their hands and they washed themselves off to make them clean. God says, I'm going to make you clean and I'm going to make you whole. I'm going to make you my people and everybody around will know I am the Lord God Almighty and no one will buck me, no one will buck my way and no one will buck my commands because I'm the King of kings and Lord of lords, he says. He says, not only will I make you king, but I'm going to put you in right relationship with me again through the law, through the commandments, through the worship of temple. He says, not only am I going to clean you, but I'm going to clean you completely. He says, everything that has been cursed, everything that I've laid my hand against, your cattle, your animals, your farmland, everything that I've said against you, I'm going to come and I'm going to restore it all to you because you are my people and I love you. He says, I will sanctify my name in the presence of my people. I'm just not going to make you whole in your relationship to me, God says. I'm going to make you whole in the whole aspect of life so that everybody knows I'm the King of kings and I'm the Lord of lords. And he says, I want you to know, Israel, I'm not doing this because you think you're holy. You have sinned against me. You have turned your way on me. You have walked away from me. He says, I'm doing this for my glory because the heathen nation has come against me. They haven't come against you. They have mocked me in my name. And nobody has a right to do that. I am the one who made the nations come. He says, it's not for your sake that I'm doing it. It's for my name's sake only. I am the king. I am the Lord. And I called you out. And I will sanctify myself in your presence this day. How did he say he was going to do that? He says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new mind. I'm going to change your heart. To cause you to walk in my ways and to cause you to follow my commands and to know the depth of my love. Well, how are you going to give us a new heart and a new mind? Through temple worship, through the law, and through the commandments. This is what Jeremiah said. Ezekiel said that's true. But how I'm going to do it is I'm going to put my spirit within you. And I'm going to clean out all the junk that's in there. And when I put my spirit within you, the Holy Spirit of mine will cause you to walk in my ways. He will cause you to walk in my commands and he will cause you to be my people. Jeremiah spoke of the law and the rules, but the law and the rules couldn't change it. Ezekiel is all about the laws and the rules being filled in the spirit of the living God, touching them and changing them. And you know, when they went back to Jerusalem and began to build that temple... They began to lift their hands and pray and praise God. They repented of their sin and said, forgive us for thinking we're all this and all that when we're nothing in the hands of you. And they thanked him for delivering them and hearing the prayers. And people from all these little nations came back to Jerusalem and they gathered together and they worshiped the Lord God Almighty for his glory and for his honor. To all my friends that I went to Bible college with, if you would happen to hear this sermon and you say, Brian, you're using eisegesis, you're reading into a text something that isn't there, I'm fully aware of that. But this is coming from my heart to you. To me, this scripture was filled on the day of Pentecost. That was one of the feasts Israel was required to attend in Jerusalem. Those people came from countries all over the known world to Jerusalem on the 50th day. They came. When they came, the disciples were filled with the Spirit. And the Bible says they spoke in languages of the people. All these different dialects, all these different languages heard what these guys were saying. And they say, how we understand what they're saying in our own dialect. These are just fishermen. 
But God touched him and filled him, and he brought them all together on the day of Pentecost, and he saved their souls, and he changed their lives, and he made them new. He fulfilled what he promised in Ezekiel. That thing to the Jewish nation where those 16 languages were heard were spread out to the church of the Ephesus, the church of Philippians, the church of Galatia, the church of Ephesians, to the seven churches in Revelation. The gospel went all over the known world because the Spirit of God worked in the lives of the people and changed them and people were saved. The old evil empire thought the Death Star was the bomb. Of course, they had Darth Vader there to pinch your throat when he disagreed with you. But Princess Leia understood she wasn't fighting a natural battle because you know who she went looking for? The Jedi. It was the power of the Jedi. It wasn't a Death Star or Darth Vader, but there was some unknown power, some unknown force that was going to change the history of the world. His name would be Luke Skywalker or whatever. And get with that little green dude called the Yoda. Call his little ship to come up out of the water. I'm not saying that's what all that's. I'm saying in the Christian belief, it's the spirit of the living God working in our lives. He's the king and he's the Lord. He's the one who does the changing. He's the one who does the moving. He's the one who does the filling. And we have to have him in our lives if we're going to be effective disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the gospel went to everybody known. Here's where the ice of Jesus really comes into play. How do I make it practical in my understanding in my mind this filling on the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost has been fulfilled in our lives today that you and I are filled with the Holy Ghost of the living God because we've accepted Him as Lord and Savior. How do I bring it to where I'm at today? Here's what I think. Rondi Halderman and I went to the ark yesterday. You guys know what the ark is? That great big boat in Kentucky? In the ark, when we were going around, I was astonished how many ethnic groups, how many cultural groups, how many different languages I heard spoken in the ark. People from different nations, from different cultures, from different backgrounds, all coming together to this ark. Why were they coming to this ark? Could have been coincidence just to see the boat, to see a different theory on how creation came to be. But what if it was the spirit of the living God, the Holy Spirit of God bringing all these different languages, all these different cultures, all these personalities coming to the ark? The ark signified safety. Oh, yes, it does. In that ark, you were safe, man. Why were you safe? Because God told Noah to build that ark. You and your family will be safe. You and your family will be touched. You and your family will be forever changed. In that ark was safety. All these different people come running to the ark to be safe. Why would they come running to the ark to be safe? Now, some of you may not believe this. Frankly, I don't care. But the culture... And what it's teaching is pushing people to a place of safety. One of the things we believe that God created the heavens and the earth, that Noah did build an ark. He did put them dudes on the ship. And he did tell Noah to preach that there was a God. He was a king and judgment was going to come. That he preached for 120 years. And you better come on and get on this boat. We have been forced to find out who we are and what we believe. And the ark and symbol handles that. We do believe in this word of God. This is the word of the living God. We trust it and we believe it. And if God said to Noah, build the ark, he built the ark. And there's safety in there because God is in that boat. There's safety in there because we went to the buffet. And I've been with Rondi and Chris long enough. They know if we go out to eat, Brian's going to eat. And it's a big buffet. And that buffet was all kinds of foods for all these different people to come and feast on. Didn't Jesus say that? When he said, I prepared a big banquet for my people. They don't want to come to the banquet. 
Go out and find somebody who will come to my banquet. All these different people from different languages and different backgrounds, different denominations, not once got in an argument, not once got in a fight, but they served as the people of God in the boat. The word was in the boat. We listened to that man speak. He spoke the word of God. We listened to what he had to say. In the boat was safety. In the boat was sustenance. In the boat was the word of God. We were safe in that ark. And believe it or not, people were kind. There was no cutting in line. There was no, sir, you go first. No, sir, you go first. One of us needs to go first, Jack. I don't know much longer I can wait if I can be a better Christian to you, but one of us really need to get in there first. Will you go ahead, brother? No, you go ahead. Fine, I'm going, brother. It wouldn't happen like that now. I got to get in there, Jack. Is it coincidence? Maybe. But what if it's the spirit of the living God bringing us together, saying it's bigger than you, it's bigger than me, it's about him and his kingdom. We walked right into the ark. No bickering, no complaining, even though I had people had their own church shirts on and all that. Sure, be proud of your church. When everyone says, what denomination, what affiliation, who are you, what do you believe, and how do you believe that? Somehow, to me, the Spirit of God, we all knew we were lost and undone. We all knew we needed Jesus. And we all knew in that boat we were safe. Second point of eyes to Jesus. What am I going to do about all these denominations? If I'm going to reference this boat and Ezekiel bringing all these different tribes together to their land, how do I fit my thinking into that? The church is the boat. That's the ark. Comfort, safety, fellowship, oneness, holiness, teaching. But maybe the denominations are the tribes. Let me explain. The Lutheran has its tribe. The Baptist has its tribe. The Brethren, we have our tribe. Community Christian has its tribe. The Little Pentecostal Church has its tribe. The new church that's going on at the library, they have their tribe. Maybe just as God put the tribes of Israel and said, this is your land. This is your territory to take. Maybe he's saying to the denominations, you are my tribe. I've split you up. To take authority where you're at. And what I mean by that is, we'll just use our church for instance. What about the brethren in the tribe who've lost their way as a brethren? Do we not go out and seek them out? And find them out? Because we identify as brethren one to the other. The same way with the Lutheran. What if the Lutheran has lost his way in his faith? He's kind of went the wrong way in his faith. And the tribe says, we need to come and reach you. There are people leaving their churches right and left because they don't know what to do. And they need the tribes of each church to go reach those people with the glory of God and Jesus Christ. And say, this is your territory. Go take it. Go own it. Maybe that's the way God will save the communities. There's no doubt in my heart he's breaking us up. He's going to find who his real people are. He will find who his followers are, and he's going to weed us out one by one. For me, that's a little scary. Maybe that's my background. Don't know. But I'm just a so scary of him weeding me out. I don't want to be weeded. But maybe in our individual tribes, we get people in the boat. The only way we're going to do that is by the spirit of the living God. You can't argue, bicker, nothing like that. This is what God's word says. And allow the Holy Spirit to talk to the tribe that's out there. But maybe the tribe is also our family. Now I'm going to get for real. You see, I'm sure. We have influence in our families and we have family members who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, who have walked away from God. That's our tribe. There's no way to win them. There's no way to call them back except through the spirit of the living God, touching through you, ministering to your family members. That's our tribe as a church. We are the ark. We are the boat. But those people are out there in our families who've turned away from the living God, who've turned away from Christ. 
Are we looking at their souls and saying there is a God who's revealed himself in Jesus Christ and he wants to change your life? That's our sphere of influence in the Brethren Church. We keep asking, and all churches do this, come to our church, see what we're doing, see how great we're doing. Forget all that. The Spirit of God is living in you. He will bless and grow the church as he sees fit. But your sphere is right there. Your tribe is right there in your families and who you're related to. They're all around you. God wants to use you to minister in the tribe. We're brethren. This will be our tribe. This is who we will reach. Now we want to reach the lost and undone, but that's the way you do it. You do it through your tribes. And God says, now I'm going to put a covering over you. This is what he said to children. When you go take your land, he said, take all of it. Build the boat. Build the church, build my teaching, build the structure, and my spirit will be with you, and he will be in you. No bickering, no fighting, no confusion, but he wants to work through us. And then we should minister to others. This is what happened on the day of Pentecost. It wasn't just individuals got saved. It was whole households because the work of God was so strong. Let's move where God wants us to move. Let him touch our hearts. Let him minister us and say, my hands and my life is open to you. Build that boat, Lord God Almighty, in my life. Is there somebody that you know is really struggling? We, I have to be right. And I got to tell you, there's no bigger hypocrite than me. It is so difficult for me to go back to my boys and tell them that God is love. Because when I checked out, they say, Dad, what happened to you with these four or five years of your life? I didn't quit going to church or none of that kind of stuff, but they knew I wasn't the same. The fire wasn't there. How can I go back and tell them that Jesus Christ is Lord when I'm a hypocrite? Just like God told the children of Israel, I don't do this for your sakes. I don't do this because of you. I do this for my glory. Christ died for us. He rose again for us. And he done it for his glory. You're right. I may have checked out. I'm asking for forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me. Christ has forgiven me. But allow the spirit of the living God do the work. It will only be by the Holy Spirit that churches work together, that families work together, and that people grow in Christ. There is no other way. You can't have the best youth group. You can't have the best children's church. It's only going to be God's approval in our hearts and in our lives by saying, use us for your glory and honor. And we, we are filled with his spirit. The spirit will do the work. Just like he brought them all to one home, he brought us all together, has he not? All of our different traditions, have we not come together? Are we not one in him? Let's build it. Let's God, God fill us with the Spirit. Now, I know next Sunday's Pentecost Sunday, and I know many will be on holiday weekend. So what I wanted to do this morning, I wanted to ask. I was going to ask if anybody is in a situation where you want God to touch you or a family member or a special prayer that you have, I want you to know you are welcome this morning. Chris is going to play out. Do you got the song? It's just a little song called the guy singing to God when God tells Noah to build the ark. The song says, let it rain, let it come. I'm going to build this boat. The hurt, the pain, the struggle is coming. Build the boat, man. Build it by the power and the spirit of the living God. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, would you stand with me? I'm going to say a little prayer. And those who would like to come and have a special prayer, I would like to pray with you. And if deacons, if you would like to come and join with us, that as well too. If you'd rather stay in your pew after our prayer and you want anointed in a special way, I will come to you. But I'm asking you this morning, let this be our day where we build the boat of the living God. Now, Father, we do come to you this morning in the mighty name of Jesus. I want to thank you that you do keep your promises. 
even when we fall away from you and turn away from you, you don't not fill your promise. You do the work in our lives you said you was going to do. May the spirit of the living God work in us this morning to follow you and to serve you and to build this ark and do what you're asking us to do as the body of Christ. Ask you to touch our hearts, touch our minds, make us, mold us, fill us with the spirit of the living God to do the work you've called us to do. And Lord, forever we'll be grateful to you. I pray this now in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. If you want to come this morning to be anointing, I'd be happy to anoint you. If you want to stay in your pew and me to come to you, I'd be happy to do that too. Go ahead, play that song, Chris. Anybody who wants to come and, and stand behind these two for prayer, you're welcome to come. I would like to read for our benediction this morning Romans chapter 15 and 13. This is God's prayer for the church at Rome. It should be every Christian's prayer in the body of Christ. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God touch us this morning and minister us this morning and lead us into the future that you're asking us to go to and let us be sensitive to you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you all this week.
to mention that too. I knew I'd forget because I forget everything. Looks okay. like I got somebody come up and sing too. How about that? You did good. <laughs> you did real good on that. Let's see, where is it? Was, where's my archives? There's Ali Chris. No, spent. No, 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 no. Seriously? I know I got because I, I copied everybody on it. It's like, oh, hey, I got right here. Sorry. No, that's okay. That's I had it's quarterly, right? Yeah, he's quarterly. I had it in my text, and now I got it in here in my notes. I thought I was squared, squared away, but apparently I'm not got it all squared away. <laughs> <clears throat> Brian's weekly schedule not included. Sermon. Or is one? No. Brian's questions? No. <clears throat> no. Okay. Man, is it hot in here or is it just me? It's nice in here. I've been taking so many. The doctor man said I was good to go, right? Everything's good with you. Okay, June 18th. Um, Next month. Oh, to give quarterly, yeah. June 18th, <clears throat> September 17th, December 17th. Let's see, let's see. Yeah, 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 that was Lynn, yeah. Okay, yep. so his next one is June 18th, so mm -hmm. next month. So in June, is it May? Yes. So in June, you're probably not scheduled then because you're just filling in for him. Is that correct? Yes. So, so that helps us to know when we are going to take vacation. Let me, when I find this, I will forward to you. Okay. I know it's in my phone because I'd sent it to um, Allie in the, in the group, but I will. Uh,